Morning. This Sunday we have the story of the ten plagues. Actually, we're only doing plagues one through nine. The tenth, the killing of the firstborn, is is together with Passover, the next lesson. But we'll probably still touch on it anyway uh, in this lesson. At least I will in my notes as well. This is a longer section. I don't have time to go through uh, all the chapters. It's Exodus chapters five through ten, but I'll simply hit the highlights and summarize what happened. Make sure to read the chapters yourself, Sunday school teachers, so that you're thoroughly prepared. Law and gospel. Neither the, neither the Israelites nor the Egyptians are willing to listen to the Lord. Even Moses, at first, isn't willing to listen to the Lord. We might have this mistaken idea that the, oh, the Israelites are the good people, they listen to the Lord. The Egyptians are the bad people, they don't listen to it. But the truth is that really no one uh, is willing to listen to the Lord. The Israelites don't really listen when Moses comes. Moses doesn't really re- listen to the Lord at first. And uh, maybe you remember from the last lesson how the Lord gets, gets angry with Moses. Consequently, it was not just the Egyptians that suffered from the plagues, but the Israelites did also suffer the first three plagues. There is some speculation that the gods that were attacked in the first three plagues, and we'll talk about that more in a bit, were gods that were particularly prevalent even among the Israelites, and this might be why they were included in the first three plagues, but not afterwards. We don't know that for sure. The Bible doesn't really tell us. It doesn't really tell us why God included the Israelites in the first three plagues, but the implication is that they needed to listen, learn to listen uh, just like the Egyptians did, and we know from their wandering in the wilderness and what happens afterwards that they aren't very good at listening, and so perhaps God allows these first three plagues at least to come upon them in order to teach them that he is God. In any case, the first three plagues attached, atta- uh, affected sorry, everybody. But after that, plagues 4 through 10, God set the Israelites apart and kept them from those last seven plagues. God did this not because the Israelites are so much better than the Egyptians, just like he delivered the Israelites from the hand of the Egyptians, not because they were better, but because of his promise, because of who he is. God's salvation comes to us because of who he is, not because of who we are. And that's true for the Israelites as well as it is true for us. We're not better than the unbelievers in the world around us. The Israelites are not better than the Egyptians, but by his grace and his mercy, God set them apart and Through them, he had promised to bring the Messiah. He had promised it to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. He's fulfilling his promise to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And us, he sets apart through Jesus Christ, fulfilling his promise to us through Jesus Christ to, to save us from sin. The Ten Plagues really focuses on the coming of Christ, just as God delivered the Israelites through Moses. So we are looking ahead to the time when Jesus would come and deliver us from sin. Egypt is a a picture of the sinful world, and the Israelites are a picture of God's people. We suffer now, but God will deliver us and bring us into his eternal kingdom. God sent Moses and Aaron to to tell Pharaoh to let his people go, but neither Pharaoh nor the people of Israel wanted to listen to what God says. Uh, Pharaoh doesn't want to lose his slaves, and the Israelites are annoyed because Pharaoh increases their work. Moses even complains to God because when he first goes and talks to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's reaction is, you want to leave, I'm going to make you work twice as hard. He increases the amount of work that the the Israelites have to do. And both Moses and the Israelites, instead of trusting God, when he says he's come to deliver them, they start complaining. What have you done? Now things are harder than they were. 
when things don't go our way, how quickly do we start complaining? We can play about our leaders. We can play about God. The fourth commandment teaches us that we should respect and honor all those in authority, parents, pastors, teachers, governments, and most especially God himself. Instead, like the children of Israel and Moses and Aaron, we are quick to complain and criticize when we have even the smallest inconvenience. Instead of thanking God for all the blessings that he has given us and has given to us through his representatives. Uh, the Israelites complained about Moses, God's representative to them, and we often complain about government and those in authority, God's representatives to us. God reassures Aaron and Moses that he is the Lord God and that he will fulfill his promise. Even though it looks like things are getting worse, God promises to be with them. Because Pharaoh and the Egyptians would not listen to God, God is going to prove that he is Lord. Because the Israelites would not listen, they also suffered some of the plagues. They also had to learn that the Lord was God. So each of the ten plagues was specifically aimed at showing that the Lord was superior to one of the false gods of Egypt. Uh, the first plague is very obvious. He turned the waters of the Nile into blood. This miracle was specifically aimed at Osiris, one of the main gods. Not the greatest god in Egypt, but maybe second greatest, one of the, one of the main gods of Egypt. They worshipped the Nile River as that which gave them life, and Osiris was the god of the Nile. So God shows that he has power over the Nile, not Osiris. And in fact, uh, there are a couple of places in the Bible where the Bible tells us specifically that this is the purpose of the 10 plagues, that God attacked in the plagues specifically those things that the Egyptian gods were supposed to have the most control over, and that each one of the plagues was aimed at a different Egyptian god. Exodus 18.11, for example, tells us, Now I know, this is Jethro, by the way, Moses' father-in-law speaking, and he says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which they behave proudly, he was above them. So Jethro there is talking about the Egyptian gods, and the very thing that they behave proudly, in other words, at the very, the very thing that... Um, that was their strength, supposedly. Osiris's great power was power over the Nile, right? And, and other gods were, was the god of the frogs, the god of the gnats, the god of the lice, etc., etc. The god of, uh, when we get to boils, you know, the, the god of healing. No, uh, God is the true God. He has power over all these things. Uh, he didn't go after what the Egyptians might have considered the weakest of their gods' powers. Uh, he went after what the Egyptians would have considered their gods to be the strongest in. Now, we don't can't say for certain what all ten plagues, which god they were aimed at, and part of that is because uh, we have to understand that the Egyptian gods, there were thousands of them, and they came and went in popularity. So in any given city, at any given time, certain gods were popular and a hundred years later, those those same gods may have been completely forgotten, and so the the religion of the Egyptians changed you know, quite a bit over the years. Uh, and we don't have records <laughs> specifically to which gods were the favorite and most worshipped by the people at the time of Moses. So we can't say specifically, okay, the god of lice or the god of the gnats or or the the god of the frogs is is this or that god. But God's word does tell us that God is specifically attacking the very powers that the Egyptians thought their gods had. Some of them are very obvious, like, for example, the first plague, the Nile, that was Osiris. I have a nice, neat little chart here of the ten plagues. You can print it out. I'll send it along in the 
email you print it out and share it with the kids i think it's kind of neat uh it has all 10 plagues listed there with a little symbol uh, to make it easy to remember which was which the first one of course the nile into blood uh the second one frogs cover the land the third one were gnats uh, all over the land and again those first three those happen all over the land including the land of goshen where the israelites live starting with the fourth one and now the Israelites are now excluded. We have flies for fourth. The fifth is livestock. And the livestock one is interesting because Pharaoh specifically sent people out to investigate. And he found that what Moses had said was true. Moses promised that all the livestock of the Egyptians would get sick and die. But the livestock of the Israelites would not that the livestock of the Israelites would, would be safe. And Pharaoh sends out men to investigate, and they find that, indeed, every one of the livestock of Egypt got sick and died, but not a single one of the livestock in the land of Goshen belonging to the Israelites did. And it just emphasizes, it really emphasizes uh, that this was the Lord's doing. You know, if all the cattle had gotten sick and died, you might say, oh, well, there was a disease that went around. Who's to say it was from the Lord? Uh, but the fact that all the livestock except those in the land of Goshen uh, died and not one in the land of Goshen did really emphasizes the Lord's power there. The sixth one was boils. Uh, the seventh one was hail. That one, too, was interesting because there they were warned hail is going to come and anything left in the field, any livestock left in the field, any grain left in the field is going to be destroyed. Uh, any animals left in the field is going to be destroyed. And so even the Egyptians could have been safe from that seventh plague. All they had to do was go out to the field gather in the harvest, gather in the livestock, and they wouldn't have lost anything, put, you know, put, it, put it under cover. And the Israelites did that, but the Egyptians did not. And one really has to wonder, now this is the seventh plague, everything that Moses has said has come to pass, one really has to wonder why none of them thought, oh, just to be safe, maybe we'll go get our livestock and, and you know, put them in the barn, just in case that what Moses says came true, but, but they didn't. And so they lost uh, their animals, they lost their harvest, but the, the children of Israel did not. Uh, the eighth one was locusts. The ninth one, again, a very interesting one, darkness. There was darkness over the whole land. And the Bible really emphasizes that it wasn't just a darkness outside. It was a darkness inside as well. The implication there is that even when the Egyptians tried to light lamps or candles or something like that, it didn't work. Somehow God caused darkness even inside the houses, except, now here again, the distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. The land of Goshen was dark, uh, like the rest of Egypt, but inside the Israelites' houses, they had light. So candles and lamps worked inside the Israelites' houses, but not in the Egyptian houses. A very powerful demonstration of God's power, not just to bring darkness on the land, but to cause fire to stop giving light uh, or maybe he made it so that they they couldn't light the lamps or whatever it was so that's the first nine plagues and as we said the tenth plague the the passover we'll get into more depth uh next week but uh, i will point out that as far as god challenging the gods of egypt tenth one was significant in that way also the greatest of the gods of Egypt was Ra, who was considered the, the sun god. And so Ra may have been attacked twice here. I mean, the ninth plague seems to be aimed at Ra. He was, he was the sun god, the god of light. But also, Pharaoh was supposed to be the son of Ra. And when Pharaoh died, he became Ra, uh, supposedly. And his son uh, then became, you know, the son of Ra. It was kind of a, a cycle like that. So this, this, this tenth plague, the killing of the firstborn, was the killing 
of the firstborn of Ra. So the Pharaoh's firstborn son did die, the, the one who was supposed to be God after him, so to speak, and God showed his power there as well for certain. Another thing to take note of and even draw the kids' attention to is the progression with Pharaoh. Uh, you can draw the children's attention to how Pharaoh's reaction progresses as this goes along. At first, he's angry. He doubles the work. Uh, at first, he will not listen. Why should I listen to you? I'm not going to listen to you. So that happens for a little while. That goes on that, that Pharaoh will not listen. Then, later on, Pharaoh hardens his heart. So there's a difference there, right? Because at first, he, he just won't believe. He hears the words. He knows what Moses is saying. But no, that's ridiculous. I don't believe you. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to listen to you. But then the hardening of the heart, that's something different. Uh, when one hardens your heart, that implies you know that what the person is saying is true, is correct. You know that what you're doing is sinful, but you're hardening your heart. You're going to do it anyway. And clearly with Pharaoh, after a few of these plagues, it was quite evident that God was the God and God was in control and that he should listen but Pharaoh hardens his heart he's not going to listen to God even though he really knows he should later on it gets even worse later on it's not Pharaoh hardening his heart but God hardening Pharaoh's heart so now we're at a at a place where Pharaoh seems as though he may have repented he may have listened to God's word but his chance to listen to God was gone, was passed. Now, because he would not listen, God hardens his heart. It's judgment on Pharaoh for his, his sin and his arrogance. And that's really a scary thing. And it's something that happens elsewhere in the Bible as well. That God hardens the hearts of those who, after a while, will not listen. Those who repeatedly will not listen to his word. Eventually, God himself hardens their hearts. And Paul says something similar in Romans 28. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. So Paul is saying that because they insisted on their sinfulness, God gave them up and allowed them to remain in their sinfulness. He doesn't even call them to repentance anymore. He gave them over to a mind uh, that revels in that sinfulness. We're certainly seeing that in our society these days as well. People who have been given over to their sinful minds, people whose hearts have been hardened, they don't even have the chance to hear and repent anymore because they have so set their hearts against God that part of God's judgment, part of God's punishment upon them is not to, is to leave them to their sinfulness and their hardened of hearts. Uh, the book of Hebrews talks about that and, and how we should take this to heart and repent now. Today is the day of salvation. Repent now while we have a chance and don't uh, you know, harden our heart and insist on continuing our sinfulness because there may come a time when we no longer have, well, there will come a time when we no longer have a, a chance to repent, whether that's because God hardens our heart or because uh, the end of the world comes or because we die the day is coming but now is now is the time to repent what happened in egypt the 10 plagues is continually referred to throughout israel's history as the ultimate proof that the lord is god uh, many psalms uh, many other things in in the book uh, in the old testament refer back to god who led us out of egypt the god, god who saved us from the egyptians and it was the greatest of all God's miracles, the greatest of all God's acts, until, of course, the sending of his son. So we have something greater now. And certainly the ten plagues are a wonderful demonstration of God's power. But God has demonstrated his power to us in 
a way that also shows his love in a much greater way in that he sent his son who died and then rose from the dead. So this is a far more powerful miracle, the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, but it is also one that shows us God's grace, mercy, and love. Uh, the ten plagues really show his, his wrath and his punishment upon sinners. But Jesus and his resurrection shows how God loved us and saved us from our sins. He died for our sins and rose again. So, Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson. As always, let me know if you have any questions.